Hello and welcome to this week's A Photographic Life. Um, I do apologise from the uh, from the off if my voice is slightly deeper this week and indeed uh, slightly more nasally. Um, it is a result of uh, man flu, but I'm getting over it, so it's all going to be good. Uh, I was in uh, Tempe, Arizona last weekend and um, I was having dinner uh, with a guy called um, Jim Hycheck, a really great photographer and previous lecturer at Arizona State University. And he told me a story which I thought was really fascinating and really worth um, sharing because I don't think it's a story that many people um, know about or perhaps have heard before. But as with all these stories, um, what was particularly uh, interesting to me was how direct the source was in that the story was told to me by somebody to whom the person the event had occurred to had told them. So we're talking one step away. Anyway, many of you will be aware of John Sharkowski, the great curator at the Museum of Modern Art uh, in New York and the effect he had on photography, American photography and world photography with the exhibitions he put on and the photographers that he supported. And it's well thought that Tchaikovsky was picked in the role, for the role, by Edward Steichen to be Steichen's successor. But was he? The story I was told was about Van Deren Koch Van Deren Koch was an American photographer, scholar, and museum professional from the deep south of Kentucky. Perhaps a name not that known in the UK, but certainly very well known in America. So, Van Deren Koch, in 1962, was offered the role, the position of director at the Museum of Modern Art, Director of Photography. And he therefore started to um, find himself a place to live, to move his children um, up to New York from Kentucky with uh, finding schools and everything that that involves. And as part of that process, he was invited to have lunch with Peggy Guggenheim. Peggy Guggenheim was an American art collector, bohemian socialite, born to the wealthy New York City Guggenheim family, and obviously supporter of the Guggenheim Museum as well. Guggenheim had lunch with Van Deren Koch and put it very clearly to him that nobody who spoke with such a strong southern accent was ever going to be made a director at the Museum of Modern Art. Immediately, the offer of the role was withdrawn. And John Sharkowski, a photographer, a curator, a historian, a critic, museum professional from Wisconsin, was offered the role. Interestingly enough, Sharkowski had already um, previously been given two Guggenheim fellowships to support his work. One, just a year before he was actually given the role at the Museum of Modern Art. Why, that in, why is that interesting? Well, so July the 1st, 1962, Sharkowski was appointed as the director of the Department of Photography. In 1962, just a month or so later, Van Deren Koch was given the position of the founding director of the University of New Mexico Art Museum. So why is this of any relevance? Well, I think it's kind of interesting to look at the impact that Sharkowski had on photography 
and where Van Der and Koch was coming from with photography. Because I think it suggests that actually the last 50, 60 years of American photography could have been very different. If you think about it this way, Van Der and Koch was very much about the making and Tchaikovsky was very much about the taking. It's a really dumbed down take on it, but let me just explain that in a little bit more detail. So Koch's early work was in the purest tradition of, mentor, of his mentors, like, such as Ansel Adams and Edward Weston. He used 19th century negatives as one element of his pictures and he manipulated prints in the darkroom. He was a huge fan of Man Ray and Maholi Neji and avant-garde photography in Germany. He wrote about Walker Evans and Cartier-Bresson and he wrote the book The Painter and the Photograph from Delacroix to Warhol and organised seminal exhibitions such as avant-garde photography in Germany from 1919 to 1939. Tchaikovsky came at photography from a very different perspective. His definitive four-volume work on the photography agate uh, was that, was definitive. But it came from an idea of photography coming from a different place from the maker. It was the documentation. He wrote Mirrors and Windows, the American photography since 1960. And he put on exhibitions by Cortez, uh, Dorothea Lang, of course, new documents in 1967 with Diane Arbus, Lee Friedlander and Gary Winogrand. He put on exhibitions by Brassai, Brand, Agay, Gary Winogrand, Bruce Davison, Belloc, Arbus. It goes on and on. What's interesting to me is that the documentary, the snapshot shot aesthetic that Tchaikovsky promoted has become the premier, the, the leading force, the, the uh, influence on so much photography because of those groundbreaking exhibitions that he put on. It made me wonder, where would American photography have gone if Van Der and Koch had not been blocked by Peggy Guggenheim and he'd got the position instead? I first met this week's contributor to the What Does Photography Mean to Me strand um, in 2016. I put on a, a series of talks, a one-day series of talks, Photography as a Visual Language at the uh, Natural History Museum. Uh, a series of conversations, really, uh, all free to attend. Uh, and it was, it was really, really successful, I, I think. So that was great. But today's contributor, Mark Wilson, contributed to the discussion around documentation and landscape. Um, at the time, I suppose he was best known for his work, The Last Stand. I should say Mark Wilson is M-A-R-C Wilson. So check him out with that spelling. Um, but he spoke at that event about a new project that he was just about to begin, a wounded landscape which documented sites of Nazi atrocities across Europe. It was very obvious to me that this, this documentation, this project, meant an awful lot to Mark because he, he got quite emotional. And I've put the link on the um, www.unitednationsofphotography.com website so that you can actually see um, Mark talking about it at that time. Now, two years later, he's been traveling all over Europe making this work. And he's well worth following on Instagram as he actually shows us the hotels he's staying at, the work he's doing, the people he's meeting. 
you can get a real sense of how much this means to him. So it seemed to me to be the logical next step was to ask him, what does photography mean to him? Well, thank you very much, Grant, for asking me to um, put this uh, quick five-minute recording together about what does photography mean to me. Um, I was just listening to Dan Wood's piece, and um, I'd like to echo his sentiments about it's a fine company to be in. Apologies, I must say, because Grant actually asked me to do this about four or five weeks ago, but I've been on the road constantly for, well, about the last six weeks, which I guess is a little bit about what photography means. As a working photographer, it's um, travel and time away from family and all that that entails. But I think that the um, the positive aspects of it, I, I hope, are worth it. Looking back, I think I always, I always struggle to remember my, my initial, or I used to struggle to remember my initial inspiration of photography. And I, for years, I thought it was just when I finished my sociology degree and I sat in the meadows in Edinburgh and, and wondered what to do and liked taking pictures. And it kind of went from there. But a few years ago, I remember um, as a seven-year-old, I think on a family holiday with another family somewhere, and um, one of the dads getting this strange looking camera out, which was a Polaroid and taking a photo around the table at kind of at dinner with candlelight and sound of the sea, etc., next to us. And then watching this amazing rectangular piece of white paper and an image appearing from it slowly. And it was beautiful. And it struck me at the time as being incredible. And I think that was probably my moment of inspiration where I realized the power of an image to be both something of beauty, but to um, to capture a moment and to to capture memory and to live with us forever and to tell a story in that way. So in that way, photography for me has always been about an attempt at communication, at starting a conversation, at, from my point of view, producing an image that is that starting point that can flicker a conversation to life, a conversation that may not have happened. What's become very apparent to me over the last four years particularly is the, the power and importance of the photographic tool as a storyteller. And I, I see photography as an extension of the history of telling stories, whether we're talking of sitting around campfires or cave paintings or writing or poetry or film, etc., etc., etc. The, the power of, of, of the photograph to tell a story, whether this is with text or with research or with reference material or just imagery on its own is incredible and it's beautiful and it's enticing and this is reflected in all the work around us whether you and I look at you know the work of say Robert Franks the Americans to more recent work for instance Matthew Aslan the, the Monsanto photographic investigation and these tell us stories and they tell people outside of this photography bubble they tell them stories that they don't know about or tell them stories of things they think they know about but tell them in a different way in a new way that sparks them and flickers these conversations that I spoke about before into life, which I think is so important. And over the last three, four years, particularly with my, my current work, I've, I've really come to realise the importance of storytelling. And this is what photography does mean, or excuse me, what photography does mean to me. It's, it's that photography is the vehicle that allows me to share someone's story. It gives me the tool to tell someone's story. And this, I look at from a, the, the opposite kind of way is that it's not my ability and my power as a photographer to do this, but it's the honour that I have that these people will share their stories 
and they ask me and they're happy to accept me as their mouthpiece in a way and as the person that will tell their stories and the feeling that that gives me and it's a, it's a, a feeling of personal achievement in that way that a 92 year old will spend four and a half hours sat with me talking to me telling me her story and despite english being her third or fourth language she'll she will speak to me in English and in her words because she wanted me to understand and to feel everything she was telling me at that very moment and to sit there as a photographer and to watch the interaction between this 92-year-old storyteller and her daughter and their connection as the mother is telling these stories is a beautiful thing and it's so I'm honoured as a photographer to see these things and I just (laughs) I hope that I can do justice to these people's stories. And that's that's up to me and that's that's the pressure on me. That's um, not the importance isn't the right word, but that's my responsibility. And that's why I work hard at it. And that's why I travel and that's why I make this work and that's why I'm away from family, which gets us back to the beginning. But I hope, I hope it's important enough and I hope these stories that I'd like to tell are important enough to share. So um, thank you very much, Grant, for the opportunity. I normally speak for hours and then, so it's very nice to try and be more concise and speak in five minutes. Thank you. It's very interesting there with Mark talking about uh, travel and having to spend time away from his family, something that we spoke about in last week's podcast, that, uh, that level of commitment that our work demands of us. And uh, funnily enough, I, I saw two documentaries this week which um, also illustrate that level of commitment. One of them, Generation Wealth, um, by Lauren Greenfield, which I know has been around for quite a while and the book has been around for quite a while. But I finally got up, uh, to just caught up with watching that film. And um, it's a powerful piece of work, which I highly uh, recommend. It, it, it works on a number of different levels, I think there's almost a kind of a interrogative or self-interrogative nature to the film where Lauren looks at her own relationship with photography and her own relationship with her work and with her family and the toll that's taken. And there's certainly a few moments there that really touched home with me. Um, so that's uh, Generation Wealth by Lauren Greenfield. Check it out. Um, The second um, was a a completely different area. I mean, it couldn't be more different from Generation Wealth, but a similarly powerful, incredibly powerful piece of work, which was Under the Wire, the Storyville documentary um, based on uh, Mary Colvin and um, her life, but also leading up to the very sad um, end of her life in Syria. Um, again, somebody who was totally and utterly committed to the telling of stories, which is something, again, which I suppose runs through everything that we do as uh, photographers, as visual storytellers. We need to be inquisitive. We need to listen to learn. And we also need to take on board um, different ways of telling those stories. And perhaps not put too much of ourselves into it. Anyway, as I said, starting off this uh, this week's podcast, I was in Tempe, Arizona last week. Um, it was a fantastically exciting time because it was an opportunity for me to finally meet Bill J's daughters, her, uh, who 
feature in the film but whom I'd never met and um, to actually show the film just a few minutes walk from where Bill Jay's office had been at Arizona State University. I know I've been talking a lot about this film in uh, various podcasts. I try and keep it to as little as possible because uh, if you haven't seen the film then maybe it's not interesting but what we are doing now is we're saying, you know, if you do want to collaborate with us on, on staging a screening of this film, do please get in touch and, and we'll see if we can make that work. Uh, the way to get in touch with us on that is through the uh, film website, which is um, do not bend film.com. And if you email us through that, um, we'll get back in touch with you and we'll see if we can make something happen. Perhaps the most uh, interesting part of my trip um, was the opportunity to spend a day uh, looking through, I think there were about eight or nine, maybe more, uh, large plastic uh, bins, really, um, full of material that Bill had left um, after he died and which had never been looked through. And so what this consisted of were boxes and boxes of 35 millimeter transparencies from the early 1970s. I'm sure the many of you will remember how they looked in their little slide boxes. And um, sheets and sheets of black and white negatives with the uh, uh, contact sheets stapled to the neg bags. Uh, looking through that work, uh, I found some incredible stuff. Um, I suppose really the, what I found most interesting was what I was seeing was uh, visual material. I was seeing through Bill's eyes uh, the documentation of events that had occurred, which I'd read about and which I knew about. But now I was actually able to see where he went and what caught his eye. The great sadness was that there was very little captioning or, or information attached to any of these. And so therefore I had to sort of make my way through it and second guess on some elements and um, make informed guesses on others. Uh, pictures of Ouija in his um, apartment in New York just a few uh, weeks before he died. Pictures of Tony Ray Jones and Bill Jay in New York. Uh, just some great stuff. And I just, you know, the, I read something this week about somebody saying that, you know, they were bored with um, British documentary photography. I mean, please, don't get bored of any photography, you know. Don't get bored. How can you possibly get bored with learning, with history, with education, with inspiration? To me, that's just nuts. Anyway, uh my voice, as you could probably hear, has not been great this week. Um, I've actually waited three or four days extra uh, to record this broadcast until it would get as good as it has been. Um, hopefully, next week, next week, um, I'll be back uh, to normal, whatever normal may be. Um, as always, do please um, share this podcast. Let other people know about it. Let us know what you think about it. You can always email me through the United Nations of Photography.com website. Check out that film I was talking about earlier on the photography, um, United Nations of Photography.com website of Mark Wilson. Because uh, I think it's like a, as I said last week, there are things on that website uh, which are like Podcast Plus. And of course, Take care.